and deck hockey and rod hockey and air hockey and knock hockey and uh, and the home of the Episode 14 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And episode 14 on Friday the 13th, which uh, was, we, we just barely missed it. I guess we could have taken a week off and rearranged our calendar, or we could have had some forethought several months ago, but eh, them's the breaks. Hey, we record on Thursday night, so screw everything else, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So how are you, Break James? Break for no one. I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Thank you. I can't complain. Well, actually, after last week's podcast, I can complain, but I think I'll save that for a little later in the show. But why don't we kick off with the starting lineup? <laughs> so tonight's starting lineup is as follows. In goal, as ever, I am number 35, the American Rhino, Gary McComiskey, and my illustrious co-host... On defense, number four, I'm James Sejazi. Yes, you are. And so how was your intervening week, James? Uh, it was a bit rough, actually. Um, I uh, had to go to the doctor and stuff because I had a, a sinus infection and whatnot. But um, So hopefully uh, I won't be holding the show back too much tonight, but I'll do my best. No, hey. Not wait to a- hold the show down. <laughs> <laughs> way to power through it, you know, like a yeah. hockey player. There you go. All right. So, as you know, we had some issues getting the podcast up last week, and I apologize to everyone who was eagerly anticipating the show on Friday, but unfortunately, we'll talk about it. But due to circumstances beyond my control, the podcast was not able to be edited and posted on Friday. Mea culpa, as your people would say. No, no. I mean, if anything, you deserve the credit for powering through and getting the show up at all. So we, yes, as Gary mentioned, we will get into that later on in the podcast. But I'm a hockey you, sir, podcaster. For, for your uh, your grit and determination and skills, so you had a lot to overcome and and well done. No problem. Say, James. Yeah. What's on deck this week? I'll be happy to tell you. Thank you. All right. The Transformers Hockey in Disguise. Hey, why couldn't Hasbro cut a deal with the NHL and make a Zamboni Autobot? And Gary and I want in on that pact if it happens, okay? But we digress. The assist for this topic goes to the awesome Uncle Julius, who is the uncle of a dear friend of my brother's, the great Steve. So besides ice, roller, deck hockey, the American Rhino and I will explore the great sport of hockey in all of its other forms. Rebound shot. At the recording of this podcast, like Gary mentioned, tomorrow is Friday the 13th. And as you already know, Gary and I devoted the 13th edition of Hit the Deck to honor the number and talk about hockey-related superstitions. Well, our sincerity and defense of the number 13 apparently did not work, and we were done in by the number. Where's the count when you need them? Road Trip Part 1. Our own beloved American rhino Gary Mack adds another great new segment to Hit the Deck's roster... 
Hop in the car with me, Gary, and Skeletor as we prove we can obey New York traffic laws, talk, and make up words all at the same time. And that's what's on deck. Thank you, James. My pleasure. All right, so <laughs> Transformers hockey in disguise. <laughs> nice. There should have been a Zamboni Autobot, although his name would have been like Ice Scraper. Yeah. <laughs> See, all right, listen, Hasbro, we, we, we got to patent this stuff, man. Don't rip us off. <laughs> yeah, that would have been really cool. Autobots uh, transform and smooth out. There you go, man. I mean, Optimus Prime could have uh, lugged gear from arena to arena. And uh, you got a couple of other big trucks out there, too, that could pitch in and helicopters and whatnot. So it seemed to make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, maybe they just couldn't get the rights to it. I don't know. But. And Optimus Prime already had the mask, the cage built into his helmet. So That's right. Good point. <laughs> so, <you know. laughs> uh but yeah, the inspiration for this came from a post from uh, a friend of ours uh, that we lovingly refer to as Uncle Julius. He's actually an uncle of a friend of my brother's and myself uh, that we labeled the Great Steve because he's such a great guy. But uh, on his Facebook page, Uncle Julius posted a picture of himself in, I believe, high school days playing something that he referred to as soda can hockey. So that kind of got the juices flowing for <laughs> what on deck should be mm. and the different forms of hockey as we stress, I mean, this show is about deck hockey, so the mother of all hockey is ice. And if, like we've said in the past, if you, if you come from a warm climate or uh, in our case in the Northeast with supposed four seasons that change, uh, we have to improvise. We don't have... I... Actually, I was going to go for it, but Jen will yell at me because my daughter is sleeping in the other room. You're a great father and wonderful husband, and, and you're a hell of a singer, too, so nicely done. Well, that's not true at all. And if I was a great father, I wouldn't have started in the first place. Hey, you stopped it before. Like, your goalie instincts took over, so well done. Yeah, my, my survival instincts took over. <laughs> yeah, how's your gear holding up here? Uh-huh. Anyhow, um... So, yeah, so Uncle Julius posted on his personal Facebook page a picture of himself playing what he referred to as uh, soda can hockey. Mm-hmm. And so with that said, Gary and I kind of thought of all the other different forms of hockey out there. As we were saying, uh, the reason why we really got into deck hockey is for a number of reasons, but one of them being that we don't have ice like they do in Canada or uh, Alaska and cold atmospheres like that. And the same thing with roller hockey. Believe it or not, in in the New York area, there are a lot of basketball courts and softball courts and football courts that are uh, paved with kind of a rough surface. So they don't make great surfaces to play roller hockey on. So uh, if you have a side street or something, or we do have a handful of devoted roller hockey rinks in the area, Mm -hmm. but they usually, to play on them, you need permits and things because it's so hard to, and they're so rare. So it's a little bit harder to to, to play roller hockey than it would sound in the New York area. So the best thing to do, we felt, uh, solution-wise, and and also if people can't skate, you could get more people to play deck, and you don't have to worry about the surface that much. We play on a pretty rough surface, as our uh, blades of our hockey sticks can prove, but we can still have fun and and enjoy the the sport of hockey in some way, shape, or form. So leading things off in in this topic is air hockey. Now, uh, as a kid, I 
wasn't blessed with being athletic or anything like that. But one kind of sport that I was able to at least hold my own and be pretty competitive against most anybody was air hockey. And I always promised myself if I ever made a lot of money, I'd have a uh, a room with you know uh, with a billiard table and, mm-hmm. and whatever. But one of the cornerstones would be a really great heavy duty air hockey table. A game so, room, if you will. Thank you. There you go. See, I appreciate uh, in, it. In the modern parlance, I guess a man cave. But uh, the more traditional term is a a game room. Exactly. Thank you, Gary. Uh, again, too many shots to the head, so I appreciate the assist. No, that's fine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, game room and, and a heavy-duty air hockey table would be the cornerstone of that. Why I emphasize uh, heavy-duty is that if you're familiar with air hockey tables, if you go online and things, you could find flimsy plastic ones that really are no fun. You can't lean on them or, or anything like that or really get the shots in. But the heavy-duty air hockey tables are built so that you can really wallop the puck and it's not going to go flying off of the surface most times. And uh, you could get some really good back-and-forth action. Sure. So I, I, I love air hockey. I haven't played in a while, but uh, growing up and, and hanging out in high school with uh, my friends back then, we we're pretty good kids. We weren't, you know, sneaking to bars or anything like that. So mm-hmm. one of the things that we would do when we weren't playing sports in the afternoon and hanging out at night was uh, there was a local pool hall and they had a great air hockey table there. So we'd have a lot of fun playing that sport, if you will. Great. And, you know, when I was in cross country camp in high school, one year, the house that we were staying at had an air hockey table and we had like an air hockey tournament. And I was really good for a a long time. Like I was knocking guys down left and right. And then I just ran into a brick wall of an opponent and I lost in the, uh, I guess, semifinal. And then I, I was so deflated by that, that I lost the bronze medal game as well. So I, I came out a, a fourth place, no medal loser. Cause I, I just, I guess I folded in the clutch. Well, that's one of life's lessons. So you were younger, Gary, you weren't the rhino yet. So that's true. things like, yeah, things like that you, you need to learn from. Unfortunately, there, there are hard lessons to learn in life. And, uh, Rob like, uh, Gary, Varley, I think was his name. The, the guy I initially Varley? lost to, Rob Varley. Oh, Rob Varley, okay. Yeah, he was, uh, I think, a year older than me and a sprinter, if I recall. Kind of a jerk, too, but that's neither here nor there. Unless he's a listener, in which case, Rob, thanks for checking out the show. <laughs> yeah, in that case, we won't have to send one of our guys to break your kneecaps. But anyhow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sorry, that was the Italian Brooklyn side of me. Uh, Mm. We're not connected or whatever. (laughs) Anyhow, (laughs) if I were connected, I'd have an air hockey table. I'll tell you that. But uh, yeah, anyway. (laughs) So, uh, hey, being fourth place in a competition was a hell of a lot better than I ever did. I never played in an official tournament of air hockey. So (laughs) uh, don't feel too bad about that. Actually, yeah. You know what? I have to say, for a family that wasn't hockey fans really at all, and my family weren't, I I came to hockey almost completely on my own. We actually played kind of hockey-type games a lot in my family. Come to think of it, I never really stopped to think about this before, but do you remember the commercials for, I think it was called the Fisher-Price Tournament Table? It's like, uh, it was three-in-one table and it was like two kids and 
and the, the the mom's like, "Hey, hey, kids, breakfast! All right, we'll be right there, mom." And then they're playing something, and and then they they like they flip it over, and you know it, it goes from ping pong to. I, I don't basketball or something. And he's like lunchtime. Okay, mom. And then like they flip it over and it, it's, it's a hockey table and there's a, and dinner. Uh, and then like, she shuts out the like, night boys. One more game. If you are of an age with James and I, then you, I'm sure will remember that commercial. Cause it was a classic. Anyway, we had that tournament table, oh, so cool. we got to you know play like that kind of quasi air hockey. I don't remember if there was actually any air, or if it was just like a flat table with the air hockey style. If there was air, it was very very low, like battery operated, uh, so the puck didn't really move. But you could definitely bang it around, even though it was a little small. That's really cool. Yeah, nice. No, I dig it. Absolutely. I, I Pardon me. I, I I dug it. I was I I said I dig it, which is present, and then as it is my past, I amended that statement to say that I dug it, something that I I did previously in my youth. Not to gotcha. say that I don't continue to dig it, but I no longer have it. So the actual act of digging it is is no longer something that I can partake in. <laughs> okay. I just gotcha. wanted to clarify for the listeners' sake. Yes, I'm sorry I'm deaf, so my apologies. And I'm sorry I'm pedantic. So, <laughs> hey, you learn something new every day, and listening to Hit the Deck is no exception. So yeah. thank you, Professor Rhino Mac. Uh, moving on, uh-huh. um, speaking of toys that, that didn't survive my childhood either – but we're beloved. We're not trying to sound like uh, Rosebud here or anything like that, but rod hockey, if people are familiar with rod hockey, I'm pretty sure every hockey fan knows. Yeah, I know rod, rod hockey. He's a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm rod hockey over here. How you doing? Which brings up another point, and this is a complete tangent, but we'll get back to rod hockey. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's he's a listener, man. He's a good guy. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> I was... Last week, I was watching Star Trek The Next Generation of all things, big mm-hmm. surprise. And I always found it curious with, as we said, with our superstition topic last week that Gary and I named my Titan hockey sticks. So with number one first officer, William Riker, I always found it curious why they always yelled, fire at Will. I mean, Will was on <laughs> your, what did he do? He's on your team. Anyway, sorry for the corny joke. So anyhow. Didn't yeah, he, so maybe, uh, he, he prosecuted Data in uh, The Measure of a Man, didn't he? He, he had to oh. uh, when they were trying to make the case, when Starfleet was trying to make the case that Data was property. Didn't he, uh, he, he prosecuted the case on their behalf because he was ordered to? I think you're right. Uh, yeah. So so maybe there was some resentment left from that. <laughs> yeah, I think the particular episode I was referring to probably, so yeah, they have good memories in Star Trek, Is uh, was the Borg episode. But either way. So, uh, you know, yeah. I, was, I was thinking of that as well when he tried to uh, kill the captain when he was assimilated. Right. <laughs> so that would make sense to fire it well if, if you were Locutus of Borg. But mm-hmm. so – yeah, Rod Hockey is a good guy, but there's also a game. And yeah. it, you'll you'll hear more about Rod Hockey and his friends here on the Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. <laughs> Make it so. Yeah, actually, there probably is a TNG podcast, and this definitely isn't it. No. 
we're underqualified. Yeah. Anyway, so a friend of the show and a member of the LIQ, uh, Rod Mr. Hockey, Pat- Rod Hockey, and a friend of Rod's. Mr. Patrick Fogarty, uh, Patrick and I grew up together and he was always his whole life, a diehard devoted hockey fanatic. Mm -hmm. And his father brought him up right because he was the, the same. So the first time I ever played rod hockey, we were little boys and Patrick had this particular model and they were cut out figures, one dimensional figures for this particular rod hockey toy. But the the funny thing was, and he was smoking me too. I didn't know what to do because mm-hmm. the the way it's set up, you have the six rods, and sure. you know, the, I believe, if I remember correctly, the forwards are on the extreme outside on the right and left, and then towards the middle are your defensemen, and then in the exact middle with a separate knob is the goalie, so you knew you were controlling the goalie as opposed to a forward, and the center, I believe, was right to the right of the goalie with, with, with his particular rod. So you could move them forward and backward and twist them around and, and the way they're grooved into the quote-unquote ice. There's really very little area where the puck, where you cannot get to the puck. But anyway, so as Patrick was schooling me left and right, uh, he referred to the cutout hockey players as Guy Smiley. The reason, <laughs> yeah, the reason being was for some reason the company put smiles on the hockey players' faces. So I don't know about you, Gary, but I, I, I've seen your game face actually. Uh, I've never played any form of hockey with a smile on my face, <laughs> so it's not really intimidating or appropriate, but. Jen's cousin played with us a couple of times, and he played with a smile on his face. I think he just enjoyed playing. Like, he'd cheer when the other team scored, just like, hey, great job. You know, He's but, a better man than yeah, I Yeah, it's just kind of the guy he is. But cool. um, I, I just want to amend, in case there's anyone listening who doesn't know what a rod hockey table is set up like, if you're familiar with foosball which is more of a soccer type game where there are rods on either side and you spin the rods and the players kind of flip around head over heels to kick the ball with rod hockey. It's also a series of rods that the players are attached to and you can move them kind of left to right. And if you spin them, the players kind of, they spin their hockey sticks back and forth. So you try and and shoot the puck that way. Yeah, excellent. Thank you for explaining that uh, so properly. Sure. And speaking of which, uh, when when I was younger, I was, uh, early teenage years or so, mm-hmm. I'd say maybe between 13 and 16 or thereabouts, uh, Santa Claus brought me my own rod hockey table. Oh, that's and nice. He's a, yeah, he's a jolly good fellow, that Santa Claus. Amen to that. So I was so happy with it and, and loved playing with my brother. So then one day my dad decided to play me, mm-hmm. and uh, the, the players weren't Guy Smiley's anymore. They were three-dimensional plastic guys, too. So like Gary said, you could really whip the puck around and, mm-hmm. and shoot, and it was pretty maneuverable considering the toy. So I'm playing my dad, and all of a sudden he he, he does a one-timer against me. It was <laughs> – yeah. My dad, how could watching. you? Exactly. Yeah, my, my dad's a very competitive man, but uh, I was floored. I, I – as good as Patrick was, I don't remember him, and, and I apologize if he did have the skill of doing one-timing. I, I know that he was able to pass the puck and set up plays and things like that, but my dad actually had the sense to, and, and, and the uh, eye-hand coordination to set up a one-timer. So I was smoked. I was I couldn't compete with that, but I was just so impressed by his skill that it, it didn't hurt too badly to get my butt kicked. So no, that's that was, awesome. Uh, 
Yeah, pretty freak. I couldn't master it myself, but it was fun watching in, in a weird way. That's very cool. And going back to kind of what I was saying before about my childhood being replete with hockey, and I'm not trying to brag about how good I had it because, you know, I'm not trying to, but it's, I guess, just the topic of conversation. And also, speaking of Hasbro, do you remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles subterranean sewer hockey? Do you remember seeing the commercials for that? No, I don't. So basically, the idea was it was a rod hockey game, and the figures were all like basically mini action figures from the TMNT cartoon series. Oh, wow. So, you know, the good guys, you had the Turtles and Casey Jones and Splinter and what And, you know, the bad guys, you had Shredder and Bebop and Rocksteady and like Rat King. And it was really cool. And, they, oh. you know, it wasn't just like little stick figures. It was they uh, they weren't articulated, but they were basically molded action figures that just scaled down. Wow. That's the coolest rod hockey table ever. It was really cool. I, I don't know if my parents still have it in their basement or not. I'm inclined to say no. Probably got thrown out with the flood like eight years ago, but or ten years ago, whenever it was. But yeah, that was really cool. Oh, please! If if it does, if it still exists, we have to play. I don't care. You know, I just turned 38, but I have no shame whatsoever. <laughs> I'll so. check it out and see if it's still there next time I'm over. We, we we could use your daughter as an excuse, like she, yeah. you know, she wants to play, right? Uh-huh. Anyway, she probably, she, yeah, and she'd probably have the dexterity enough to do one timers and smoke us anyway. But. And again, like I, I keep saying, with my family hockey history, in spite of the fact that nobody in my family actually watched hockey, something similar to rod hockey and air hockey, knock hockey. My dad, my dad has very bad asthma. So when he was in school, he would be excused from gym because he couldn't run around. He would kill himself, basically. So he did other things. And I guess he did kind of like a shop class or something. And one time he actually, I guess, whittled. He he did some woodworking and he made his own knock hockey stick. My dad was always a big fan of knock hockey and growing up. We would often play a big knock hockey. He had a, a knock hockey table, like not a table, but a board. He had a knock hockey right. board that we would keep tucked away. I think a lot of the time it was behind my bed, but uh, and we would play. We really enjoyed playing knock hockey. That's that's uh, something actually. That's something I haven't had a chance to do with my dad in many many years. I should try and find an opportunity to do that. But uh, yeah, so if you're not familiar with knock hockey. I, I assume everyone is just because of the way I grew up. But if by chance you are not familiar with knock hockey, basically it's a it's a flat board. I would say usually wood, but I guess it doesn't have to be. And you have uh, wooden sticks. And so there's a, a, a puck, like a wooden puck, a flat, similar to an air hockey puck, but it's a little more substantial. It's not as thin. It's got some some heft to it because it's not flying around on a cushion of air. You're knocking it around with a little wooden stick um, that's, I don't know, maybe the size of a wooden spoon. So uh, you kind of you put the puck in the middle of the board, I guess, the, the hockey board, which and I guess your your better knock hockey boards will have like a hockey rink painted on them. 
And yep. there's a little slot at either end, similar to air hockey, for net. And the the puck's in the middle, and you kind of bang, cross sticks, bang, cross sticks, bang, cross sticks. And then you try and, you know, it's a face-off. And you try and get the puck, and you try and knock it into the other person's net. So it's 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 very similar to air hockey, except there's no air, and it can get a little more violent, if you can believe that. I do, as a matter of fact. Patrick also had a knock hockey table, and he was always a lot bigger than I was. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we, you know. This was before video games. I mean, we actually played. We got up and we moved yeah. and, and interacted with one another. It was fun. So, yeah, knock hockey was a blast. But uh, anyway, you know, Father's Day is coming up, as, as you are a dad yourself, so maybe you can uh, get a little tournament going there. That's a great suggestion. Thank you, James. All right. Cool. Uh, another quirky thing, and I don't know if, if people know this at all, but uh, again, my high school days, uh, I was taught the game of quarter hockey. Now, this was literally played with three quarters, and what you do is you, you sit on a flat table, and uh, you, you shape the quarters like a Mickey Mouse sign, you know, the three mm-hmm. circles. And uh, at the end of at the edge of a table, you hit one of the, qu- the three quarters with your palms so that they spread out. And the idea is to, with your fingers, just hit the one quarter between the other two. So that's how you progress down the ice, if you will. So as long as you keep splitting the uprights, you can continue. And then on the other side of the table... Uh, your friend just kind of did like the uh, the devil horn sign, you know, to make the goal mm-hmm. where uh, or the Spider-Man sign as well, where he has his pinky and pointer finger, index finger down with the, the middle finger and the ring finger behind the table. So that was your goal. And uh, sorry, Gary, but there weren't any goalies. So uh, you just had to try and do the, the zigzag and, and get the quarter in between the fingers there for the goal and that's how you scored so no no uh, that's fine so i'm not familiar uh this isn't something i played as a child so can you clarify this a little bit for me i get that they're in the mickey mouse logo but do you have to keep hitting each quarter to get them all down how do you realign them in that kind of three quarter arrangement after every shot how does that work that's what makes it hard is that once you get that first punch with with your with your palm yeah you you disperse them so the idea is that uh no you don't you don't do the mickey mouse sign again emblem with you know the two ears over yeah, the yeah. head what that does is it it kind of disperses the quarters on the table so that two quarters are aligned with one another and then one quarter is uh behind the other two mm mm-hmm. mhm so you kind of do a zigzag. So one quarter has to go between the other two, and then you knock it again. Uh, I, I think you can only – can you hit one quarter at a time or something like that? But I, I forget. I, I should have tested it out before I started okay. speaking about it. But, but yeah, you, you, you just have to keep getting the position where one quarter goes between the other two flat on the table. Okay. Zigzagging, and then you try and score the goal. Which, again, I think you have to split the, the other two quarters, too, in order to get the shot off. So it's a, it's a okay. lot harder than it sounds, but and I didn't do a very good job in describing it. No, I apologize okay. for not, not doing my homework. I should have tried to play it before I uh, explained it. So if anybody else is a, a quarter hockey expert out there, please uh, right my wrongs and uh, let us know how to play it properly. <laughs> Uh, another thing that, that came out of high school, we had a lot of time on our hands in senior year of high school. Yeah, it sounds uh, like it. Yeah, so we, we, we had a built-in free period. 
Oh, my nice. senior year in high school, yeah, was was the most fun I ever had in school ever, college included. So much freedom, and we actually learned too. We had a much better education, I felt, in high school than I got in college. But anyway, we were given free periods, so we'd either study or whatever the case was, or just hang out and whatever before the other class. So when we were, again, being in high school, a lot of people didn't have three quarters. So we'd have to improvise. And if you're familiar with the finger football field goal, you know, like that little triangle you make out of a a loose leaf paper. Yeah. And you kick it with your, you know, you flick it with your finger. Sure. Yeah. So we were tired of doing the field goals because inevitably somebody would lose an eye or whatever the case. You went to a rough school. Yeah, it was. (laughs) Yeah, we we were worse than uh, Shane O'Max group. (laughs) <laughs> the uh, Mean Street the Posse. That's right. Yeah. So <laughs> there's our pointless wrestling reference. Yeah, I got it in, baby. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> Top shelf on that one. And, uh, so uh, one guy would stand at the end of a long table, like a lunch table, or if you're again a wrestling fan, the tables that uh, tables, ladders, and chairs style. Mm-hmm. Those tables that uh, the Dudley Boys still use to this day. So. One guy would stay at one end, and I don't know, four or five guys would would sit at the sides of the table, and mm. with your hands, just knock the puck back and forth and and pass it and and whatever. You had no defenseman either. You were just we were kind of making this up as we went along, mm-hmm. and then you just had one guy at the end and and try and be the goalie and stop the puck from going past him. Okay. Which leads us to soda can hockey. Ah, soda can hockey. Take it away, Uncle right. Julius. That's right. Actually, he's so, not here, so we should probably take it away for him. Well, well, yeah. On his behalf. Uh, he was generous enough to post it on our uh, Facebook page, Hit the mm-hmm. Deck, so please check that out. Because Uncle Julius was in goal, so a little bit closer to your heart, Gary. Yes. And, yeah, he had a forward hockey stick and a first baseman's glove, it looked like, or at least a baseball glove. Mm-hmm. But he showed good form. <laughs> and, yeah, the idea w- with soda can hockey was that you just take an empty soda can, hopefully clean, and you crush it to form a puck. And it was indoors. It was in his high school. So it was on a particular floor where there was uh, nice tiles. And he said it was an ideal surface for playing soda can hockey. So you could really emulate. Like It was deck hockey at its finest where it, it was really as close to ice hockey except the deck hockey version. So mm-hmm. the puck would really fly. And, and he was in a doorway. That was the goal. So that's how you had to get the puck past him to score. Nice. So, uh, yeah, that that sounds like a lot of fun. And, and again, way back when, we actually played and used our bodies and moved around. <laughs> so uh, another thing was something that my brother and I came up with or quote-unquote invented, which is very similar to soda can hockey. This is called hallway hockey. Now, hallway hockey was born from our patented hallway baseball. So it's literally in a hallway. It could be in your house if you have a big enough house and a a good enough hallway. I do not where I'm living now. Or if you're on the road and in a hotel, that's even more ideal because it's nice and long and maybe you could even get a guest or two to join in. And hallway hockey was uh, we had mini hockey sticks, kind of like the knock hockey style. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was a goal stick and the other was a forward stick. So, again, we used doorways as goals. And we had, for a puck, we kind of used a few different pucks. We we kind of evolved into the perfect one that we ended up finding. But the ideal, it, we didn't use a deck hockey puck because it was a little bit too hard. We didn't mm-hmm. want to scuff the walls or sure. whatnot. And so we, we, we came up with, uh, I think it was an empty container of bubble tape, if you remember that. Oh, bubble tape. Yeah, they still make that, yeah. don't they? 
Yeah, I think they do. And it was a cylindrical plastic container. Sure, it's similar and, to uh, like um, an icebreaker's mint container or something like that. Exactly. Thank you very much again, Gary. And yeah, sure. so I think we stuffed it with, with tissues to weigh it down a little bit. And then I think – I forget what we used for the – to make it softer. And then we duct taped the whole thing. And it, 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 it was pretty good. It had good heft to it. And it didn't hurt too bad if, if you blocked the, the puck. And it didn't scuff the walls. So we got away with playing. So mom and dad didn't get too angry with us. Nice. And uh, it was fun. So what you do is you'd, you'd either you'd start off at the center ice, yeah, and whoever yeah. controlled the puck, you'd have to try and, and get the puck past your the opponent, and uh, you'd back up as a goalie to try and you know you didn't just, you didn't just shoot from middle of the ice, sure, or, or the hallway. So there were some rules and things, and uh, we did develop a way that pretending you had teammates that once the goalie was in goal and position mm-hmm. you can try and carry it off of the wall and and use that as like a one-timer or a, or a deflection shot and things like that so it got pretty heated and it was fun and um yeah i i miss playing hallway hockey so tell me about hallway baseball because i get the hockey baseball <laughs> intrigues me a little bit because i can imagine a narrow hallway and a bat and that just <laughs> sounds odd <laughs> well again and uh, God bless all you mothers of sons out there. Uh, my brother and I were pretty imaginative, and, and we got along very well. You know, he was my best friend to this day. He still is, but a few years older than I am, and he always took care of me, whatever. So we always got along very well, and, and we'd play together and, and have fun. So uh, when we were kids, they were mini bats. I, I believe you, you brought this up in a past podcast as well. Okay. But uh, us being Met fans, and, and Gary, of course, a Met fan as well, they used to hand out the little wooden bats in like fan appreciation day and oh, things like yeah, that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one of those. F- yeah, as a matter of fact, I just came across one that I broke when we were kids. Oh no. Yeah, it had one hit left in it, and my brother sawed me off. But anyway, so I don't know. What, what, what would you figure? Those bats are probably a foot long or thereabouts. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, eight inches to a foot long. I yeah, that sounds yeah. about right. So, what would you use for a ball? Okay, here's the best part. So yeah, so it was a, it was a mini bat. What we used for a ball and how my brother found this, it's just one of those things that's meant to be. Yeah. It was a it looked in shape. I actually have I could show you after the podcast, Gary, but mm-hmm. uh I'll try and explain it in the meantime. It was a stress ball. Mhm. You know, those, those little yeah, balls. Yeah, that, yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that you squeeze to relieve stress or work on your forearms or whatnot. And uh jokes aside, please. So it was shaped and looked just like a baseball. So it was a baseball with stitches on it. It was very soft, and it was ideal. So we, we would fling that into one another. My brother was a very good pitcher, and, and he'd, he'd even, he was like the, uh, the Thor of hallway baseball or the Doc Gooden at the time. <laughs> and he could, he could do a rising fastball. He could make it break, and, and he could throw like a slider or, mm-hmm. a, or a, a ball in the dirt. <laughs> so it was pretty pretty competitive i can imagine a lot of foul balls in that scenario yes yes i mean strikeouts were rampant but (laughs) when you connected boy that thing would go flying so we would just designate if you hit a certain part of the wall if it was Mm -hmm. a base hit a double or if you had a home run you'd really have to time that just right and hit it just just perfectly because you had to hit the corner of the ceiling and the the wall and that was a home run, but those were rare. The other cool, yeah, speaking of fouling the moth or whatever, it was the ball was supple enough that if you hit a lamp or, or 
something in the room. It didn't really knock it to the point where we just go over. It gave you a chance to That's run good. over and catch it, the lamp or whatever, or a TV. All right. So, uh, the, yeah, and you know, being in the hall, though, mainly uh, there was just like chandeliers and maybe potted plants and yeah. things, so it wasn't that big a deal. But we actually played on the road a couple times in, in Las Vegas. We, we played in, uh, with our friend Steve, as a matter of fact, great Steve, and uh, mm. some passers-by joined in, so it was a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah. And talking of hallway sports, uh, so we're going to touch on this a bit more later in the show in the road trip segment, but... We both went to St. John's, you and I, James, and we were both part of WSJU, the radio station, the voice of St. John's University. <laughs> Although now I think it's just the voice because they're cool. But anyway, my co-host and I at the time, Alan, we decided one time to do an all-night show. Now, there were dorms, which were relatively new. Well, actually, they were brand new at that point. When I started at St. John's, yeah. there was n- no dorms. It was a complete commuter school. But So anyway, we decided to have this all-night radio show to cater to the students in the dorms. And I don't know, like 2 o'clock in the morning, we got bored. And we just decided to put on a really long song or maybe even an album side. And we went out in the hallway and he had a bottle of water just like a Poland spring plastic Poland spring bottle that was full of water. And we just decided to, to play water bottle soccer. And, you know, we had a good time, although I think it ended with a damaged clock fire alarm and a wet floor. (laughs) Well done. Beautiful. That's we would refer to that as hallway soccer. So nicely done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> That's how you really score. Yeah, by the amount of mayhem you cause, as opposed to scoring a goal. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, so well, yeah, so just summing up the the hockey in disguise, leading up to video games, mm-hmm. and this is from Atari, all the way up to PS4 dot whatever, and the EA NHL franchise. So uh, to me, one of the the things that really made me fall in love with hockey as I too got into hockey relatively late in, in my teenage years anyway, was uh, the EA NHL franchise. So it really taught you a lot about the game and, and you were able to learn the ins and outs of the NHL. And they were cool enough to have the real logos and, and the team players and rosters and things, which was pretty rare in those days in the early 90s. Whereas uh, you, you'd, like from the Atari time and, and Sega time and Nintendo, a lot of times they wouldn't get the league's uh, approval, so they yeah, would just yeah. make up names and whatever. But the NHL franchise got it right, and it was the actual teams and logos and stuff. So it was really, to this day, that they're they're just such innovative, fun games to play. Yeah, I agree entirely. Actually, that's one of the things that really got me into hockey strongly as well. At the time, I was a big basketball fan, I think I've mentioned before on the podcast, and then I kind of just started to get into hockey. And I think one of the biggest things, one of the biggest factors in my growing love of hockey was when I got NHL 96 and I was in a I was a sophomore in high school and I was in at least one class in particular that had a bunch of hockey fans and in particular fans of that game Uh, there was at least one Rangers fan and an Islanders fan and the teacher I believe was a Rangers fan although I don't think he played the, the game but um and yeah we just we we bonded and commiserated over that game and it, that really had a huge impact on me as a hockey fan. 
So good job, James. And you as well, and, and EA. So good stuff. So yeah, from there... Uh, it's in the game. Nice. We'll go on to the rebound shot. All right. And as we were saying before, at the recording of this podcast, tomorrow is Friday the 13th, and our previous episode was Hit the Deck number 13, episode mm-hmm. 13. But the funny thing was we thought we were uh, appeasing the 13 gods and defending the number and whatnot, but it kind of bit us in the butt, right? I mean, how much technical difficulties did you have to deal with? Just just get recording the show at, at the get-go. I mean, getting on the air and recording it was a difficult yeah, task. Yeah, I, I, the, the hype is real. I don't want to go too much into it. But we talked last week about not talking about how sausage is made, but uh, yeah, it's... Suffice to say that the the thirteen stigma is real. It's it's a thing, and so respect the thirteen. Amen to that. Well said. And he says on Friday the thirteenth when this podcast is hopefully released, assuming it doesn't come back to bite us again. You know what? Uh, that's the other thing too. Is Jason wore a freaking goalie mask? Come on, now help us out. <laughs> right? Uh huh. She's. Where is the count when you need him? Ah, 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 Perfect. <laughs> You're buddies with him now since you're kind of colleagues or what? <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, we don't really uh, – we're not on the same floor, so we don't get to talk much. Okay. But But going back to, as you alluded to in the on deck, we did – get one thing uh right last week um nyquist who you mentioned on the podcast last week won the kentucky derby unbeknownst to us he was the favorite and he won yeah so you know gary and i aren't degenerate gamblers so we didn't put any money down on him but if any of you listeners out there took our tip pay up will you <laughs> yeah yeah i should set up one of those paypal donation things that everybody seems to have I wish I could give you an Amazon link to click on or, or something, because I know that's a big thing with podcasters, but uh, unfortunately, we just do this thing for free because we have no sense. So we're going to introduce a new segment now that we've been hyping up for the last couple of weeks called The Road Trip. Basically, the premise of this particular segment is James and I took a, a trip to the uh, Mets game. It wasn't a long trip, but we were in a car together, and I brought the microphone, and I figured maybe it was a more informal setting to enjoy the podcast. You know, not not necessarily a topical discussion, but maybe an informal discussion that you, the listener, might enjoy. So, you know what? Listen in, if you will, to our nonsense, and enjoy the road trip. All right, I'm here with James uh, for our new segment, The Road Trip. We're on our way to, in this case, see a Mets game. So we're in the car, we're just chatting, and uh, we thought we'd let you in on the conversation. So um, James was just asking me about when, uh, what's the furthest I've ever gone to see a hockey game. And the answer is not very far. I mean, I've gone to the Garden, uh, I've, I guess... I've gone to Nassau Coliseum to see the police fire hockey game. Uh, I was at the Prudential Center, The Rock, once to see a Devils game. Actually, twice, I think. One was a regular season game against the Maple Leafs, Toronto. And once was a pre-game, pre-season game, excuse me, against the Rangers. Um, The... 
Maple Leafs game. Maple Leafs. Maple Leafs. Yes. For a second, I thought I was I was confusing with baseball, which is my other love. But uh, no, no. Uh, the Maple Leafs are in fact an NHL team that the Devils could presumably have been playing. So uh, the uh, yeah. So I'm I'm already rambling. Get used to this, folks. I do it a lot. So. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that game was crazy because the Devils five game five minutes left in the game. The Devils were losing um, by two goals. They were down by two goals. They wound up winning in regulation. Wow. Yeah, that was as somebody. Um, I'm sorry to any Devil fans we have listening, but <laughs> as somebody who personally hates the Devils, that was not a fun game for me. But we're Catholic. We're supposed to hate the Devil. I also had. I mean, the, the people we were going with were season ticket holders, so. They were actually great seats. They were like, I don't know, 10 rows back in the corner um, by, uh, I forget which corner, whether it was the Devil's goal or the Leafs goal, but but we had great, we had front row seats to the Devil's victory. I give you credit just for going. I've never been to the new arena where the Devil's play. Yeah, I think that was maybe the first season they were there because I remember security was crazy. There was, like, literally a corridor from the train station that, like, lined with police and barricades from the police station to the uh, Prudential Center. (laughs) Was that their version of a red carpet? (laughs) Yeah, I think they just... The neighborhood was so bad that they figured that fans would need protection getting the three blocks from the train station (laughs) to the to the arena. Wow. But I think, James, you've gone a bit longer, a little, a bit further to see a hockey game. Yes? Yeah, not much. Um, back in our uh, college days, uh, Gary and I were members of the radio station, if you could imagine that or not. And um, we were also members of the sportscasting department, too. So we would be able to travel and call the games of the St. John's bas- basketball team. For the baseball and the soccer teams, we, we, we would usually just stay home in, in the St. John's campus for those. But uh, for the basketball team, that's everybody knows the, the, the basketball team. So, uh, Red I, store. Yeah, I, I, I can't bring myself to say that. But the, uh, <laughs> they play at the Madison Square Garden and, and with the notoriety and such. So we were able to budget road trips to cover them. So we were able to go to Boston, which was outside of the Boston city itself proper for uh, the campus of Boston College, the alma mater of uh, Brian Leach, if I'm not mistaken. And so getting back to the budget, there wasn't much one, uh, much, there wasn't much of a budget for the radio station. Well, if I could just interrupt you for a second, as someone who served as GM, general manager of the radio station for a year, right. The radio station at St. John's didn't have much of a budget. It was something like $7,000 a year. And of that, the sports department got about 6000 So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you say it wasn't very much, I guess it wasn't very much for a traveling sports news team. But, you know, for the... From the, 90%, yeah. you know, from the outside looking in, from the rest of the station, we really thought you guys were kind of greedy about the budget. I, uh, I apologize for that. So anyway, yeah, uh, that, that 90, uh, was it 90, 90%, 95% or whatever, whatever it was. It was yeah. But, um, so with that, uh, I had to 
drive myself and the two guys that we covered the game with, uh, pick up the equipment at St. John's. I was living in Brooklyn at the time. Tell us a little bit about the equipment that they use at St. John's, James. Yeah. I th- that, that that gold mine <laughs> of a budget it got you. I think it was uh, invented by Methuselah. <laughs> um, oh gosh, I, 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 you, would you remember the model name and all that stuff? No, it's not really, remotely. It was just a big black hulking thing that you'd plug ancient headsets into and hope that it would record. Um, so... Yeah, I had to go, I don't know, 5 a.m. or something, drive to the campus, pick up the co-hosts or uh, other broadcasters and the equipment, if you will, and then drive up to Boston from there. So we were basically up for 24 hours, so we, we knew that. we the, I believe the St. John's game was in the afternoon, so we covered that uh, smoothly, as smooth as could be. And then one of our other friends was a big hockey fan as well, so we figured, let's stick around for the uh, the Bruins game. So, all right, yeah, sure, why not? And we did. And that was a night game. In between, we were able to hang out on campus. They were very nice, the, the, the Boston campus, uh, Boston College people. The heck you say. They were, they were. All right. Um, and uh, so we were able to just hang out and even catch a few winks, too, in the, some common area. Uh, so then that night we went to the new Boston Garden, which is the current one. That's the classic one where the likes of uh, Bobby Orr played. But it was great. It was a lot of fun. Good sight. Like, at the time, it was, it was, I don't know if it was a year or two old. It was, it was really a new, I think we're talking late 90s, just to uh, clarify that. And um, they played the Penguins, so... We were most of us were Ranger fans. It was two Ranger fans and an Islander fan, so we didn't really care what happened. <laughs> so, but it was a fun game, and yeah. So that's that's as far as I ever traveled to. Uh, a friend of mine, though, did an awesome road trip just this year. As a matter of fact, he went on the Islanders road trip to the Pacific Northwest. So we saw them play in Vancouver and Calgary. Oh wow! And Edmonton. So that was pretty cool. So he wins the prize there. Well, I'll do you one better. I know Rob. Uh, who plays with us in the LIQ has gone to Sweden to see the Rangers play. <laughs> okay, that, there's the new winner right there. <laughs> Was he with Lundqvist at all, or he just kind of? I don't think he had any meet and greet time. <laughs> no, I think he just, uh, you know, that was their vacation that year or some such. So they went. Well, that's raising the bar of super fan. Yeah, um, and. I gotta uh, getting back to the St. John's thing though for a second. I gotta tell you, it's appropriate that we're on our way to see the Mets right now because the the one thing that the the, the one and only thing the sports department was good for at WSJU, <laughs> James, this guy, my co-host, James, invited me. So just to give you a little background, at the time, the St. John's baseball team. Their field had been torn down because they were building a minor league baseball stadium on campus. Uh, the Queens Kings played there for a season. I think they, um, I don't know what happened to them. That was before the Cyclones. Yeah, that they that you can you can correct me. You don't have to like whisper. That was the Cyclones. We could edit it. No, tell me. This is a conversation. Uh, correct me. So yeah, that's, correct that's, my ignorance, James. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, that's the franchise that turned into the Brooklyn Cyclones. So that's why they stayed at St. John's for a while while they were building the stadium in Coney Island. Well, but here's where my confusion 
resides, I guess. So, when it was the Queen's Kings, that was not a Mets franchise. That was another team's minor league franchise. Yes, I believe uh, Toronto, if I'm not mistaken, speaking of Maple Leafs in Toronto. But yeah, the Blue Jays, I believe. That's right. There you go. I think that's where the minor league team came from that eventually was merged into the Mets facility. So the they it was was it the same franchise that the Mets just took over or was it like I, I don't how does that work? I believe it was because I do know that the GM and, and the head office of baseball officials that ran or still run the Cyclones themselves were the same names and, and members. So I'm pretty sure that I don't know if they the Mets themselves had to take their players from other, like A ball or right. uh, or um, independent leagues, yeah, and put them in there. I don't know how that works. If you, if you buy a franchise, does that mean the players are included? I don't know, but oh. it was it, it more or less it, it, that the Queens Kings were the uh, interim of the Brooklyn Cyclones. Well, that's interesting, uh, yeah. and, and you can get off at the next exit. Um, so what? The reason I bring this up, they were building the stadium. The St. John's baseball team was effectively homeless for a year. And so they wound up playing a lot of their games at Shea Stadium. Uh, it was, I don't, had the baseball season started yet? Or was it, um, if, if it had, it was still very early in the year because it was very cold. I'm pretty sure it was March. Yeah, you actually saved our lives. I think it was, yeah, right before... That's a, a little bit of hyperbole, um, but so yeah, so it was very cold. Anyway, James uh, and the St. John Sports Department, quote unquote, which was basically James, <laughs> got to cover a, a St. John's home game. Got to uh, broadcast, quote unquote, a St. John's home game from the radio booth at Shea Stadium, where Bob Murphy and. Gary Cohen called games for the Mets. So, I mean, that was awesome. We also went with somebody, uh, Chris, what was his last name? Do you know his last name? No, I don't. Chris. Somebody named Chris, who was a regular there and knew everybody there, so we actually wound up having ourselves a little tour. We got to see the bullpen, and and, uh, we didn't get into the locker rooms, but we did, like, get to go around some of the more restricted areas of Shea Stadium. There's nobody there, except for a few maintenance workers. But nevertheless, it was pretty freaking cool, if I do say so myself. And then we got there upstairs, and it was freezing, because the press box was open air. And the, uh, or not the press box, the radio booth was open air, and... We were all huddled, bundled. The uh, phone lines that we were supposed to be broadcasting back to the radio station um, didn't work. Oh, right. So I don't know if we even managed to record it. We We did. That's right. I had to bring my own. (laughs) I forgot about that. I had to bring my own tape recorder. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You can see all the millions of dollars that was sunk into the sports budget were were beneficial. (laughs) But, um... Yeah, so we, but all that aside, it was still an awesome, incredible experience, once in a lifetime experience, and I owe James eternally for that. Well, you were more than worthy to, so that was the benefit of it. And uh, yeah, like Gary alluded to, the St. John's 
radio staff was pretty skeletorial to if that's even a word. I like the word. I don't yeah, know if it is, but I, there you go. I like it. Skeletorial. There's, there's my there's my education right there. Carry, any, carry on. So uh, I could basically do what I wanted and, and assign people who I wanted to. So rule number one was one, someone with great radio talent and who's a diehard Met fan who would appreciate and it was Shea Stadium. It was the late 90s at the time. Yeah. And, so Gary fit the bill and so did my brother so that was uh, and to me it was that was the closest I ever got to my dream of calling baseball games from the Shea Stadium booth so that was just a thrill for that as well well you did technically call a baseball game from yeah. the Shea Stadium booth right. so it just wasn't a Mets game right so I'm not going to be too picky make the ride up here especially now that Shea doesn't exist anymore yeah and the reason James said I save everybody's life was yes. again gross hyperbole. What he's talking about is we were all very hungry and there was nothing lying around that anybody could eat because the stadium was effectively closed except for, I don't know, maybe some kind of concession. Wow, there's a burnt out minivan that's uh, just sitting here in the middle of the road and that's frankly uh, not something that I'm used to seeing in Flushing, New York. No. But anyway, um, I digress. The, uh, yeah, so this was before the game. We were all very hungry. Um, nobody had any food. And I used to work at Shea Stadium as a vendor. Um, at that time, it was just a year or two earlier. So I said, you know what? Around here somewhere is a closet where they keep, like, food and stuff for the vendors to sell. And we found one such closet. And there was no real food, but there were bags of hot dog buns so uh we appropriated some hot dog buns for ourselves to munch on to uh stave off the hunger right and and as we were freezing at least they had a little heating system in the uh, in the booth so there was literally little flames Mm -hmm. there so someone had the idea to toast some of the hot dog buns as well so aramark for the amount of money that you've ripped fans off all those years Gary gotcha. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suckers. And I'm sure they underpaid you too for your uh, great work as well, a vendor. Well, yeah, but that's just corporate America. So, so just say, and we're not incriminating ourselves. It's all cool. It's like I've, if you sell I've, Shawshank Redemption, you'll figure that out. Uh, yeah, I actually severance pay. I think I have, in fact, uh, incriminated myself. But that's neither here nor there. Statute of limitations and whatnot. Well, Dave is my evil twin, so who's your evil twin? David Jay-Z? Yeah. Oh, um, I don't know. That's... Larry. Yes, that was, yes, Larry. That was, that was right. Dave and Larry that, that did that. That's right. My my evil cousin, Larry. Uh, speaking of college days, that's... Don't even ask. Um, yeah, okay. Well, uh, <laughs> we are about to reach our parking lot, so maybe we'll have more for you after the game. Maybe not, but uh, this, I guess, has been the road trip. We hope you've enjoyed our nonsense and inanity. Um, oh, but one last thing, since we're not parked yet, before we wrap up. Uh, skeletorial. Is that like um, a manifesto that Skeletor gives? Uh, like a, a Skeletor editorial? Might as well be. What I was trying to say was our staff was so small that there weren't many people on it, so... Like if you're in a business um, area and most of the people have off, you'll say you just have a, a skeleton no, staff. I, I get what you were so, saying. I'm just trying to justify the existence of the word. 
I don't know, and apologies, my mom's an English teacher, so... Well, you can ask her what skeletorial means. I think she'll look at me like I'm out of my mind. So, and yes. if she asks, you can tell her, Mom, it's a manifesto from Skeletor. Sounds good to me. All right, well, with that, this concludes the road trip, and we'll throw it back to Gary and James on the Hit the Deck podcast. Guys, take it away. All right, thank you, Gary. Uh, that sounded a lot better than I thought it came across uh i enjoyed it how about you gary yeah no i I think that was a fun segment i'm glad we did it what do you think skeletor dogs halfwits bunglers brainless idiots uh okay i guess he wasn't a fan of the word um yeah i uh you know i've said many a time that my mother is an english teacher so i have really no excuse whatsoever and um but again, we were trying to appease, I guess, evil spirits and people. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he's not buying it. But you know what? I think we were justified in making up that word. You know, sometimes you need to describe something. And if if you don't have a word that you, you really think adequately describes your situation. You make one. <laughs> Oh, you know, there you go. Skeletorial. I stand by it. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) Last minute remaining in the podcast. All right, all right, enough nonsense. Let's wrap this thing up. We've gone long. I hope you've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. James, have you enjoyed yourself? You bet I have. (laughs) Good. Well, thank you, listener, for bearing with us for this extra long edition of the Hit the Deck podcast. We had fun making it. As always, we would, of course, like to thank James. Well, I'd like to thank James, my co-host. We'd like to thank Anthony Sejazi for his use of the music. We'd like to thank Pops for being the voice of the podcast, the LIQ for providing sound effects for the podcast. I would like to encourage you to contact us if you have a question or a comment or really anything you want to tell us about at hitthedeck at gmail.com. Look us up on Facebook at Hit the Deck, Twitter at Hit the Deck Pod, and of course on Instagram at Hit the Deck. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, and I would like to announce today... A brand new addition to the Hit the Deck pantheon of podcastery. We are now available on Stitcher. So please, if you are a Stitcher user, check us out there. If you're not, check out Stitcher because they, in addition to the Hit the Deck podcast, they have many other fine podcasts. They have their own app that you can download and uh, access many podcasts that way. And they have their own player. So any one of those solutions, I think, will be something that would be suitable for your needs. Um, James, is there anything you'd like to add? Skeletorial. (laughs) All right, thank you. So (laughs) finally, of course, we would remind you, as always, it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. (laughs) Thanks, everybody. And I'm spent.